last week, um, Paul took Priscilla and Aquila with him when he went to Ephesus. He leaves them in Ephesus. God opens this door. They're like, hey, stay with us longer. He says no. He goes back to um, Jerusalem. He used not the circumstances, but God's wisdom we, we saw um, in making that decision. And then from Jerusalem, he goes to meet the church there, and then he goes up to Antioch in Syria and gives a report for what's happening. And then it says he travels all over the area um, to strengthen disciples. Um, so this passage, 24 to 28, is kind of like a meanwhile. Um, so all that's happening over here in Jerusalem and Syria and Antioch and all that. Meanwhile, uh, Jew, uh, this Jew named Apollos from Alexandria comes up to Ephesus, right? Um, we see in verse 24, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. Um, anybody know where Alexandria was? What's that? Yeah, Africa, Egypt, yeah. Alexandria was North Africa, um, and I, I, I think this isn't an accident that Luke points this out, that, that uh, Apollos is from Alexandria, from Africa, um, because we see that, that the disciples of Jesus are all part of one kingdom, no matter what background they come from. In this passage, we know Apollos was a Jew. It says he was a Jew, but he was from Africa, and, and for the first 400 years of Christian history, North Africa um, produced many, many leaders and teachers and uh, influencers in the church. And in the, in the fourth century, the Muslims came in with a crusade and basically wiped everybody out. But prior to that, um, North Africa was like one of the places where all the, the best Christian thinkers were coming from. Alexandria itself was an uh, uh, academic kind of center of the world, of the Mediterranean. A lot of um, research, a lot of learning, a lot of science. Um, you may have heard of that library at Alexandria was one of the wonders of the world, the largest library in the world at the time, right? So Alexandria has this history of um, knowledge and understanding and, and study. Um, and we see that in Apollos. He comes, he's, he's an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. Um, uh, he, Augustine, one of my, f my personal heroes, is from Hippo, which isn't in Egypt, but uh, in present-day Mauritania, which is kind of like near Sicily, um, North Africa. Um, these guys were important to our history, uh, and we think a lot about the Greek fathers, we think a lot about the European fathers. We don't a lot of times think about, like, like I think a lot of people lump Augustine in with the Europeans because of how much influence he had on European history following that. He was an African, right? Um, and that's important for us to remember that, that the disciples are, of Jesus are all part of one kingdom, that God is building a new kind of kingdom that's not based on ethnicity, it's not based on race, it's not based on uh, or, you know, country of origin, it's not based on political party, it's not based on socioeconomic status, it's based on Christ, that Jesus is building his kingdom. This is Colossians 3.11. Paul is writing, he says, there, here there is not, here meaning in the body of Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all, right? 
that, that this is a new kind of kingdom, a new kind of people, Peter says. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God, right? Once you were all separated people scattered throughout the world, but now you're gathered together in one people, God's people. Um, Isaiah 49.6, um, the, the God tells the people, it's too small for me. It's too small a thing for me to, to just restore the tribes of Israel. But... Um, that this light, my salvation will reach the ends of the earth, right? And later in 52.10, Isaiah says, the Lord has bared his holy arm before all the eyes of the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. That Israel from the beginning was meant to be a blessing to all the nations, right? And that, that promise to Abraham all the way back at Genesis 12 is fulfilled in Christ in that now this blessing flows to everyone and anyone, right? Um, Paul continually says this over and over and over and over in the, script, in, the, in the letters that he writes. Romans 10, 12, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the, the same Lord is Lord of all. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. Galatians 3, 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is not, no male nor female. He says the same thing over and over and over again. For you are all one in Christ Jesus, he says. Ephesians 3, 6, the, this, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. He's talking about heirs of Abraham, heirs of the promise given to Abraham. This is the mystery that Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Here's the thing. Nationalism has no place in God's church. It just doesn't. It, it is good, and it's right to love your country. Um, it's good. We, Paul commands us to pray for the government and pray for those in authority. Um, but when our country or when our primary allegiance uh, is to some group of people at the cost of the true gospel, it's become an idol to us, right? Um. What does that look like for us practically in daily life? Well, um, it's easy to look at some things happening in our world today and say, wow, that's a real clear example of this. Um, but I have a couple of things that, that might hit closer to home. It was hitting a little closer to home to me as I was thinking through this problem. Um, that might look like thinking that, that America is God's nation, that, that America is the best church, we're the best people, this is God's place here in America, or Israel, or any other, you pick a nation, um, that's not gonna, that's not gonna be it, right? God's building a new nation that's not bound by borders, right? Um, this kind of nationalism, or this kind of idolatry might look like thinking that your church, or your country, or your state, or your political party, or whatever, whatever, whatever law, right, is better than or superior to believers from other places, or other churches, or other wherevers, right? Um, it's not being willing to, like Apollos, later we see, it's not being willing to humble yourself and learn from others because of your background, or their background, or whatever it is, right? I have a friend uh, from China, um, we'll call him Bo, um, and I became a believer about two years before I met Bo for the first time in China. And at that point when I met him, he had become a believer six months before that. Uh, and that trip 
he was teaching me how to follow Jesus. Uh, because for believers in China, it's not a matter of like, oh, I choose to go to church and I choose to do these things. It's a matter of Jesus is more important to me than anything else and I'm willing to risk my life, my job, my anything, my career, my house, whatever, right? And still to this day, he's been living in America for a while, um, but still to this day, every time I talk to him, um, he always drops these true, uh, like, paradigm-shifting statements as if, like, everybody should know this, right? Like, he talked about when he first came to America, he got involved with a, with a BCM in the mainland, and he was talking about they were doing this, this hot dog outreach, and they had this meeting that was about an hour long, and, and he was t we were talking on the phone, and he was really frustrated. And I was like, well, what happened? He's like, well, we planned, um, and then at the end we prayed. And I'm thinking, like, that sounds like a pretty productive meeting, wasn't very long, you know, they planned everything out and they prayed. And I was like, okay, so what, what was frustrating about that? And we're on the phone, right? And he says, John, hot dogs don't save people. Jesus saves people. We planned for an hour and prayed for five minutes. And I've, I'm on the phone just like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and every time I talk to him, I, I have the, one of those moments where I feel really dumb <laughs> and like, oh, yeah, that's very obvious. Um, uh, but th this, this is what, this is the kind of kingdom that God is building. It's easy for me, coming from America, where we're, we have all these great things and lots of resources and big churches, to go to a place like China and see the believers there and, and feel like, superior to them or like oh, I, I'm gonna help you you need my help right they don't need my help I need their help we need their help right we all need each other um, get to know people believers from other countries and and listen to their perspectives and they will grow you they will teach you um, Ephesians 2 uh, talks about this a huge section where Paul is just breaking it down um, and, and I want to highlight verse 14. Paul says, For he himself, speaking of Jesus, he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Jesus took the national, racial, ethnic, whatever hostilities there are in the world, he took that into his body and broke down those dividing walls, bringing unity to his church and making one new people in place of the many people. His body, his church, his kingdom. Ephesians 4 says uh, that we should walk in a manner worthy of the calling, and he says, in the eager to maintain unity in the spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. That this isn't about you or your church or your small little kingdom, whatever that small kingdom is. It's not about that. It's about this bigger kingdom, right? All disciples of Jesus are united in his one kingdom. So don't be deceived. I'm speaking to myself too here tonight. I'm, I'm hitting this really hard for me. Um, but don't be deceived into thinking that we have more in common with unbelievers in whatever tribe or context that we're in than we have with believers in the opposite one, 
right? It's really easy to be in whatever context and think, I have more in common with this person than that believer over there. That's not true. It's not. Don't allow yourself to be deceived to think that, that, that other alliances, national, political, whatever, alliances are stronger than the alliance of Christ and in his body. Verse 24 and 25. Let me back up. Now, the Jew a Jew named Apollos, native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was, eloquent, he was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. Okay, Apollos is talented. He's eloquent. Paul, uh, Luke said, th these words, Luke uses eloquent, competent, fervent, accurately, right? He uses these um, really st strong adjectives to describe this guy, Apollos. He's a talented man, right? Um, Paul, uh, uh, Apollos uses the skills that God's given him to build his kingdom. This is what we see in this verse. Disciples use their skills to build the kingdom in whatever way they can, right? Apollos, we see here him teaching. We see at the end him refuting powerfully the Jews in public. He is using the skills that God has given him to build his kingdom. And he grows the kingdom by his skills, right? God works through him. He uses his skills to leverage this power, um, powerful gospel to bring new, uh, new believers into the world, to bring new life, to bring God's kingdom into the world, right? Um, not everyone is a talented public speaker, right? <laughs> Not everyone can stand up and do that, right? Um, this is 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 7. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Here's Paul again. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the, for the common good. It's easy to look at somebody like Chris or Pastor Bob and be like, wow, they're so gifted. They're doing all these great things, right? Uh, I'm just a fill-in-the-blank. I'm just an office worker. Um, but but that, that's not true either. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you and empowers you for the common good of the church, right? Some, he says, have wisdom. He goes on in, in chapter 12. Some have wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing spirits, tongues, interpretation. He lists a super long list of the gifts that the Spirit gives to the church for the, for the building up of his body, for the building up of the, of the kingdom. Um, there's a lot of stuff uh, going on in that list. And like, who has all of those gifts? Any guesses as to who has all of the gifts that he lists in, in 1 Corinthians 12? <laughs> well, okay, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I was going for nobody, <laughs> but yeah, the Holy Spirit, yeah, okay. Um, nobody has all the gifts. No, no uh, human, non-God person has all of the gifts of the Spirit that he lists in chapter 12, right? Um, that's the point. That's the whole point that Paul is saying. It's like some people have these gifts, some people have these gifts, some people have those gifts, and we're all doing stuff together. We're all working together. Um, disciples use their skills to build the kingdom, right? And it's not just spiritual gifts, right? It's every, every believer, God has gifted you with some miraculous kind of gifting to work in your life. But it's not just that. 
being an eloquent man is not a spiritual gift. But you see Apollos here using this skill, probably trained, he says, he was, he was trained in the scriptures, we know that, he was probably trained as a public speaker too. He's using these, these skills, talents, that he has um, to build the kingdom. In verse three, uh, verse three of this chapter, 18, we see um, Paul, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, and does anybody remember what, what uh, profession, what career they have? Tent makers, right? So we don't know for sure, but by the fact that they're tent makers implies that they're not very educated. They might have had the, the basic education, but they're not teachers, they're not philosophers, they're not public speakers. These are probably pretty low educated people. They're business people, they make tents, right? What did they do in chapter 18 at the beginning for the kingdom? They supported Paul, right? It says Paul came to them and they, they had this, um, this camaraderie, this friendship because they were of the same profession. And so they, they used their profession to support Paul uh, and they, they literally hired Paul, like come work with us, we'll work together, we'll, we'll, we'll pay for you, right? These, these, this couple is using the gifts, the skills that they have to build God's kingdom. Um, my, uh, my job at International Center um, is support funded. So I have about 30 families and individuals who give on a monthly basis to help me do my ministry. That's, that's exactly what's happening here with Paul. The Priscilla and Aquila are building tents and selling them so they can give some of that money to Paul so that he can do this ministry, right? Um, so many people, 30 different families and individuals across the country are, are doing their jobs faithfully every day and they support me financially and, and they pray for me and they call me up and they ask me how I'm doing, encourage me um, because they want the ministry at International to succeed, right? And that's, a, that's awesome. That's, that's everybody doing what they can, using the skills that they have to build God's kingdom. Some of you tonight are teachers or office workers or construction workers or doctors or salespeople or moms or, or whatever. I can't do the things that you can do, right? Uh, I can't, I don't have those skills, but y you can do them. I can't be in the places where you, are, where you go to work. But, but you are there, right? Uh, I'm not friends with the, with the people that you're friends with, but they're your friends, right? And that's, that's a good thing that I can't be there or that Chris can't be there or that Pastor Bob can't be there because that means God wants to use you in that place with your skills to do what you can to build the kingdom. Um, as I was writing this, I just kept thinking of more and more and more examples, and I'm trying really hard not to go long tonight, but how many of you guys are really blessed by the learning guides that, that are made every, every week? Me too, right? Christy does that, and it's great, and it's like, that's wonderful. It would take me, like, it would be such, I, I, I'm just really glad that she does this and not me. Let me just say that, right? Okay. Like, th like everybody has skills that they can use to build God's kingdom. He wants to use office workers as much as he wants to use preachers. Uh, he wants to use tent makers as well as eloquent speakers here, right? And we see that happen because look at verse 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately, right? Um, so 
he's, he's here. It says here he is, uh, he knew only of the baptism of John, right? And I said I was going to touch on this real briefly. And since I'm running a little bit long already, I'm going to keep it even shorter so I don't have to get into trouble. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> um, the best guess that, we ha- that I could find, in Matthew, it says, uh, Matthew 3.11, John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming who is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Um, and that's my best guess at what's going on here. That that's maybe, maybe Apollos is just baptizing people for repentance, um, but Matthew 28, Jesus tells them, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? And so maybe, I don't know, maybe Apollos is just baptizing people for repentance, and Priscilla and Aquila are like, oh, but you should be baptizing people in the name of Jesus, right? We don't know. I'm not sure. Couldn't find an answer. Here's the point, though. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter what the issue was. The, the, the point is, Apollos needed some kind of correction. There was something that he was missing, something that he was lacking, maybe something that was a little bit off. Uh, and Priscilla and Aquila helped him. They came alongside of him and, and helped him to know the way of God more accurately, it says, right? Um, they were disciples, and they were about the business of making disciples. So they hear this man, Apollos, he's gifted, he's talented, he's got something a little bit not quite right, so I'm going to help him. I'm going to grow him in this. Um, they were tent makers, right? Now notice what Apollos doesn't say in this, in this uh, passage. He doesn't say, um, excuse me, but I'm Apollos of Alexandria, uh, MDiv. Um, I have a degree. I'm kind of a big deal. You may have heard me speak earlier. I'm very eloquent. Um, he doesn't say that, right? He, he listens to them. He learns from them, right? Um, disciples make disciples, and disciples are humble to learn from others, right? He submits to them. You know, in, in, in all the things that are implied in this passage, he's above them in society in almost every way. He's probably rich, he's probably well-educated, comes from a famous place of learning, he's a great speaker, adored by people, and these two humble tent makers come to him and say, hey, actually we can help you out a little bit. And he submits to them, and he listens to them, and he's corrected by them. Um, God loves using uneducated people because it shows that they are relying on Jesus' power, right? In Acts 4, way back at the beginning of Acts, in Acts 4, Peter and John are arrested, and it says that the, um, that the council is astonished because they perceived that they were uneducated common men, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus, right? That's, if, if somebody said one thing about me, I would want it to be, they recognized he had been with Jesus, right? Like, that's, that's awesome. And here's Paul, Pr- Priscilla and Aquila, helping him to grow. Second uh, Corinthians 4, 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay, Trevor mentioned tonight. Uh, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And Apollos isn't the only humble one here. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila are also humble. They could have just been like, um, actually, um, or like Tani said, there's this game show on YouTube. I won't get into it, but I love it. It's really nerdy, and it's called um, Actually. 
And the point is to buzz in and be like, I'm actually incorrect to what the person just said. Um, they didn't do that, right? Like Tani said, they, they could have just totally embarrassed him in the moment. They could have just been like, uh, you're teaching that wrong. But they didn't. They pulled him aside. Um, and they, they were gentle. They were kind. First uh, Peter 3.15 says, do it with gentleness and respect, right? Um, they are perfect examples of these disciples making disciples. They're humble, they're kind, they're generous with their time. Um, there's so many people in this church that are like this to me. Last time I spoke, I'm going to embarrass Uncle Morris now. I'm embarrassing everybody tonight. I'm hitting you all. Um, Uncle Morris came up to me, and, and Irene too. At last time I spoke, Auntie Irene, after I spoke, they both came up to me and were just so encouraging to me and so kind. And, and like, what do I have to offer that Uncle Morris and Auntie I Irene ha don't? What do I have as a some-some-year-old that they don't, that they haven't heard before, right? I don't have much to offer, but that was such a blessing to me that, that they encouraged me in that way. And there are so many of you guys that have been like that to me s from the first time I came to New Uwanu. And that is just, I wrote down a bunch of names here, and then in parentheses on my notes, I just put, just name everybody. <laughs> because there's so many of us at this church, so many of you guys have been such a huge blessing to me, and I'm so thankful to you all. Okay, I got to keep going. We got to get, we got to get going. I'm, I'm, I'm taking too much time. So this godly couple loved Apollos. They loved God's church. They loved God's kingdom. Instead of being puffed up, they built up Apollos and the church and the kingdom all in one swoop, right? They, they, they corrected him with this kindness. 1 Corinthians 8, 1, knowledge puffs up, but love's, love builds up. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient and kind. It does not envy, it is not arrogant, right? And they are exemplifying this with Apollos. Uh, which leads to verse 27. When he wished to cross a uh, wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who, through grace, had believed. Disciples work together to build the kingdom, right? Apollos wants to go over to Achaia. Achaia is a region. Um, both uh, Corinth and Athens are in Achaia. Um, so he wants to go over there. He wants to speak to those uh, churches there. And the brothers... Um, write him a letter of recommendation. They, they could have been like, Apollos, we need you here. There's work to do in the city. You got to stay here. Um, worry about the Achaeans later. Uh, but they didn't. They encouraged him. They wrote a letter saying, hey, this guy, Apollos, is the real deal. Like, welcome him when he comes to you. Um, and they cared more about God's kingdom and the work there than they did about their own city or their own church. And they sent this talented young guy away to another place, right? To, to serve the church there. Uh, Paul, okay, so this is Corinth, this is Athens, this is the region of Achaia. Paul was literally just there, like in the previous, like last week, Paul was there. Um, and now Apollos is coming in to build, build them up. Later on, in a little bit later in the story, we see that this division rises up in the Corinthian church. Um, and uh, starts to, like, pull the church apart. This is, um, so some people in the church were saying, like, oh, we're disciples of Apollos. And another group was saying, like, oh, we're, we're disciples of Paul. Um, and another one was like, oh, we're, we're followers of Peter. 
And then, of course, when, whenever there's any kind of like disagreement in the church, somebody's like, well, I follow Jesus, right? Um, so there's, <laughs> there's this tension in the church, right? This is 1 Corinthians 12, 13. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Paul is kind of disgusted with this division with the church. How does he react? In, in chapter 3, 4 through 8, he says, when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere, being merely human? What is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor who waters is anything, but God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Paul's like, we are not divided. This, don't be talking about who you're following except for, for God who is doing it, right? He says to them, me and Apollos are on the same team. Why are you guys on different teams, right? We're on the same team here. They both understood they were working together to accomplish God's goals, God's tasks um, that he had given to them, which were different, um, but they were working together in it. The brothers in Ephesus understood that. They understood it's not about my church, it's not about my city, it's about God's kingdom, and they send him away. One really cool thing about being in a Baptist church is a cooperative program. So when you give to Nuuanu, a, a portion of your gifts are set aside to go to the cooperative program. And what that means is the church sets aside money to send uh, to the state convention and the national convention. And that money is used to fund mission work and used to fund missionaries and used to fund seminaries. Um, and there is no organization like that in the world. It is so uniquely Baptist. And I, I really love that we can work together with folks. Um, John, who came earlier this year from uh, Missouri, gives to the cooperative program. And together, us and John in his, in his church of like, you know, in a town of 300 people in the church that he's serving in, we are working together through the cooperative program. And I just think that's super special. That's really amazing. Um, Mel was talking about uh, Annie Armstrong tonight. That is a way that we can work with missionaries throughout the North America um, to build God's kingdom. That's, that's what the Ephesians were doing here. They're like, we're going to give you permission, we're going to give you a letter, we're going to send you over there to help them. Um, and I want to point out one last thing here. It says that, that Apollos was helped by... Uh, Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus, and he goes over to Achaia, and it says he greatly helped those who through grace had believed. So he was helped by Priscilla and Aquila, he was helped by the brothers in Ephesus, and then he goes and he greatly helps the brothers in Achaia. There's this multiplication when we work together. Um, verse 28, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ, uh, the Christ was Jesus. Disciples rely on scripture, not on their skills to build the kingdom of God. Apollos was an excellent gifted speaker, um, but what does he use to refuse the gifts powerfully? Is it logic or is it rhetoric or is it philosophy or his training in Alexandria? No, it's the scriptures. He refutes them with the scriptures. I've been saying, 
all night up until this point. Use your skills to build the kingdom. Use your skills to grow the kingdom. Use your skills, right? But here's the thing. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants or waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Use every gift and every skill and every opportunity and every uh, circle that you're in to leverage your life for God's kingdom. But remember that it's God's work, that it's God's the one who brings this growth. Rely on the Holy Spirit, rely on the scripture. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing uh, among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And he goes on in chapter 10, Though we walk according to the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy lofty arguments and every opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Right? He, keep in mind, Apollo. So Paul, his whole argument here is that I didn't come speaking eloquently to you. <laughs> but Apollos did come speaking eloquently to them. He is not dunking on Apollos here, right? He's not saying, like, oh, yeah, Apollos was using logic and, and eloquence. I didn't come like that. That's not what he's doing here. Apollos would 100% agree with Paul when he says that they're not using lofty speech to convince people. How do I know that? Because he refuted them by the scriptures, right? He was a good speaker. He was eloquent. He was well-trained. But it, he knew that the power of God comes from the Spirit of God in the Word of God right? By the grace, Paul says, uh, Romans, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 15, 10, by, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, Paul says, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in me. Use your gifts, use your talents, use your skills, whatever you have that God's given to you, use it and work hard for the kingdom, but rely on God to do the work, to bring about the growth, right? Here's uh, some challenges for us tonight. Um, maybe you're caught on the background issues. It's easy to get caught on those things. Um, be unified in the church. Um, be humble like Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila were here. Um, or maybe uh, you need to meet somebody from the global church, somebody who's different, whose perspective is way different from you. So you can hear, what, what are Americans getting wrong in our faith? Tell me what you think about Americans and how, our, how we're missing the point, like Apollos. Help me, correct me, right? Um, or maybe you've been feeling like somebody else should, like, man, I wish my, I, I wish, uh, my, my friends, my coworkers, my whoever could hear, would come on a Wednesday night or could come on Sunday morning but get in the game. God wants to use you. He wants to use your skills. Um, the Holy Spirit wants to be at work in your life, in your friends' lives. Uh, and if you're like, I don't know how to do that, ask for help and, and, and grow like Apollos did. Um, we are in it together. 
We may not be, I may not be at your workplace, but I can pray for your workplace. I can pray for you. Um, we, can, we can band together. There may be somebody else who has a similar job that you have and can, and can say, oh, you know what? God used this skill, and I, and I was able to share the gospel with coworkers because of this. And then, hey, oh, I'll try that at my job too, right? Um, or maybe you're in need of correcting tonight, uh, or maybe you know someone that you need to correct. Do it with gentleness and with humble humility. Um, if you're Apollos in this situation, receive the correction. Receive it and, and be glad that someone cares about you to, to grow you. If you're Priscilla and Aquila, approach them humbly. Um, they, they do such a good example here of like pulling him aside. And I just really, I love that. Um, somebody, somebody might need your help this week is my point. Uh, so be courageous in God and be humble in it. Uh, last thing, remember that God's, this is God's kingdom. It's not, uh, it's not mine. It's not yours. It's not NBC's. It's not Baptist's. It's Christ. It's God's kingdom. Uh, he's the one who makes it grow. And, and we get to celebrate and rejoice and be glad that God is using us. Um, what a privilege and a mercy and a kindness um, that God would do that. Yeah. Thank you all for using your gifts to encourage and, and uh, challenge and grow me in so many ways in the last year. I've had a blast. Being a part of it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't a farewell address. I'm just saying, <laughs> I've loved being here for the last year. I'm really thankful to you guys. <laughs> that, that started to sound like, I'll see you guys later, but I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> just want to say thanks. Let's pray. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much that, that your church works together, that we're a family, that we're a kingdom, and everybody has different roles to play. That, um, this work doesn't rest on my shoulders, and that is such a relief, God. It rests on your shoulders. You're the one who took it. You're the one who does it, and, and we get to joyfully come alongside you uh, and serve at your, um, at your request. I pray you'd help all of us, Lord, to get in the game, to get uh, energized and to jump in and, and serve you in every way that we can, using everything that we can, that we'd make the most of uh, make the most of the time for the days are evil. Uh, work in us and through us to see many people in our families and in our communities and on our campuses and in our jobs come to Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.